a bit better because <clears throat> we, could, we could have you back to church. I'm going to turn this off and cough and then I'll turn it back on again, okay? That's better, thank you. Anyone else like to cough while I'm there? Yeah. We'll have a cough. Oh, I'll give you an inch, you take a mile, don't you? Okay. So, so I, would, I would be happier to, to back to, to, to Jesus Sunday because really that's what it's about. If we could introduce you, if you've never been introduced to Jesus, then that would be a major, a major thing for me. We love church, we believe in church, we believe that church is a good thing. We are delighted you've come today, we hope you'll come again, and we hope that's, that that's the case around our nation and around our town, that people will realise that going to church is a good thing. If nothing else, you'll, have, you'll find some good friends here, you'll have a good time. But if that's all that church was, then I think we will be missing the major uh, element of church, and that is coming back to Jesus. And he is the one that transforms people's lives. So uh, let me just give you a little resume of what I'd like to talk about this morning. We just turn the next slide on. I'd like to talk about Christianity. Is it boring, untrue, and irrelevant, or irrelevant? That's certainly uh, something that I felt when I was a young teenager, because I did go to church. I was a scout. And we had to go to church parade. And whenever we went there, I thought, this really has very, very little relevance to me. I was just a young teenager. Church was boring. And I I don't know whether I was particularly intellectual enough back then to work out whether it was true or not. But there there were questions in my mind. Is this stuff true that they're saying? But certainly, it seemed irrelevant to my life. But I'm going to suggest this morning, in our little talk this morning, that church, and and certainly Jesus, is certainly not boring, certainly not untrue, and certainly not irrelevant. And I'd like to um, (coughs) talk about three things, just click the three things and you'll see where we're going. That Jesus gives direction for a lost world, Jesus gives reality in a confused world, and Jesus gives life in a dark world. So you know where I'm going, okay? They're my three points. I passionately believe that God gives direction to people who are willing to listen to the voice of his spirit in a lost world. He wants to give us, in our confused world, reality. What What is reality? What is real? And then thirdly, what is life all about in a very dark world? And and. With that in mind, I'm going to look at a verse that's quite famous in the Bible. If you, if you know your Bible, you possibly might have heard this verse. And it's um, speaking about Jesus, and he's talking to his disciples. And he's talking to his disciples about the afterlife. He's talking about heaven. And in the midst of that conversation, which we had Kim read to us a little earlier on, he gives an answer to one of the disciples that comes out in this one particular verse. That Jesus is going to say, I am the way the truth and the life. <clears throat> One of these disciples is saying, show us the way to heaven. And, uh, and uh, the disciples say, we don't know the way. And Jesus said, you do know the way, because I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. That's a verse in John 14 and verse 6. And that's really my text, if you like, for this morning. And there are three areas of confusion. I'd like to suggest to you that in our moral confusion, Jesus is the way. In our mental confusion, Jesus is the truth. And in our mortal confusion, Jesus is the life. So you can see basically where we're going, and forgive the the clever titles and what have you, but um, let's just put it in context. I've already told you, but there is a discussion about heaven. Peter is going to say, where are you going, Jesus? Because Jesus is going to say, I'm going to leave leave this earth. I'm going to leave you in a little while. And so Peter asks the question, where are you going? He's concerned about the place. And then Thomas, who's got a bad press in the Bible, but he's called Doubting Thomas, 
But <clears throat> I think if he hadn't have doubted, we wouldn't have had some of the major verses in the Bible. And in this case, he's saying, well, we don't know the way to heaven. You say you're going to go how, and show us how, how, we, how can we know the way. And Jesus is going to reply, I am the way. And then later Philip is going to ask about, well, show us the Father. And the song that we've had sung to us today spoke about the Father who is looking for people to come back to him. He's searching. Jesus is going to leave 99 sheep and chase after one. And Jesus looks for the individual. We may have, I don't know how many folks, with the, every seat is full, that's 240 seats here with all the children. You may feel one in a crowd here, but I want to tell you, Jesus doesn't look at the crowd, he looks at the individual. And he wants to, in fact, like a father, receive you back. So there we are. Now, I'm going to be a bit clever now and show you that I've read a few books. <coughs> Forget this bit, okay, this next slide. I just wanted to, if, in case there was any super clever ones, and there are some pretty smart bods in this place here. So I thought I'd use three words that are just sort of, you know, and then, then we'll forget the words. When, when Jesus said he is the way, today we have, we've got a whole system of belief, which I'm going to call pluralism, that says Jesus isn't only the way, there are many ways to God. And that comes under that sort of heading, pluralism. Many ways to God. I'm saying to you today that either Jesus is right in what he said, or he's a liar, because he said he's the only way. And nowadays, there are many voices speaking to us, and we'll, we'll develop that in a little while. It's been replaced by pluralism. Forgive the long word. I thought I'd just try and impress you. Thank you. Here's another long word. Relativism. Relati- can't even say it. Relativism. Okay. Jesus said he's the truth. It's been placed, replaced by relativism, which means that there's no longer any absolute truth. You say, well, it's okay if it's true for you, but it may not be true for me. So you believe what you like, and I'll believe what I like. And nowadays, folks are saying, you can't stand up and say the Bible is true. What you need to say is the Bible is true for you, but not for me. Well, I'm suggesting, I'm telling you today that I passionately believe that there are some absolute truths. There are some wrongs and some rights. And I'm going to stand on what I call the Bible, the absolute truth of the Bible, and say when Jesus said, he is the truth, he meant it. But today, of course, that is debated, and we'll just develop that in a little while. And then, of course, thirdly, the, my, my, my third long word, which I think I can forget now, is that Jesus is the life. It's been replaced by secularism that says we don't need Jesus in our life. Some people will go a little bit further than that and they say God doesn't exist. And of course there's a big debate at the moment and the newspapers and the, and the television and what have you, they're talking about the big God argument. But I'm, going to say, I'm, I'm saying that God does exist and that if you want to know what true life is and certainly if you want to know what happens after life then you're going to have to talk to Jesus. I, I would say this as well, I'll just throw this in. I know some Christians who think that they can put God in an hour and a half slot on a Sunday and then for the rest of the, life, rest of the week they do what they fancy. They don't include God in any day-to-day decisions and they are as secular as anyone else. It's no good just saying, well, I'm going to include God and give him a little hour or an hour and a half on a Sunday. For the rest of my week, all the other decisions that I make, I don't need God. Well, you're missing out on a big chunk of what he wants for your life. Because I believe God is as much concerned with your Monday morning as your Sunday morning. And if you give him a chance and you start talking to him and communicating to to him, he will help you through your whole week. So you see where we're going now. The three points. Jesus gives direction for a lost world. He is the way. Jesus gives reality to a confused world. He's the truth. 
Jesus gives life in a dark world. He's the way, the truth, the life. So let's get straight into that now. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. Let me give you another couple of verses because I just... If you picked up nothing from this morning and you decided to go home and pick this book up, and I'm sure you've got a Bible. If you haven't, I'll give you one. Or John Will, he's richer than me. Okay. He'll give by your Bible. Okay. But if you haven't got a Bible, get hold of a Bible. Okay. And I'm quite sure most of us can afford to buy one. They're not expensive. But we'd give you one if you wanted. But in this book, there's so much truth. And when Jesus said he's away, let me give you a couple of verses. Proverbs 14 and 12. There is a way which seems right to man. But in the end, it leads to death. We've all got our own ideas as to what the way is, how I should live my life. But without God, there is very little purpose, I'm saying. There's another verse in Proverbs 4 and verse 9. The way of the ungodly is deep darkness. And that sounds judgmental. It sounds, oh yeah, you're going to have a go at us now, us ungodly ones. No, I'm not going to say that. What I am going to say is that when we give God a chance in our lives, he shows us what true reality to life is. Jesus put it in a different way. He says, broad is the way that leads to destruction. But there's a narrow way. And maybe someone here knew the narrow way. Maybe, maybe at some stage in your past, maybe when, when you were a child and you went to Sunday school, you went to one of the clubs that was running, I think Pauline used to run, you've been running clubs here for children for many years. And maybe you were associated with this church and you heard about Jesus being the way. Well, there's still a narrow way that Jesus is calling you back to. Jesus still is the way. Let me de- develop that, that clever word that I use, that pluralistic word, because I think it's quite important. Because today, we're living in a society that says, listen, Jesus isn't the only way. And pluralism says, as in plural, some say that there are many ways to God. Many ways to God. Pauline, click that. Now, that's a picture of a place that I'd love to visit. Um, I'll tell you Adam that is a picture of what is called the Pantheon in Rome has anybody been to the Pantheon in in Rome I want to go to Rome one time and I I, I like to see a lot of places in Rome but I'd love to go and see that place it's sort of a circular building it is a circular building it's it's like the Royal Albert Hall really they've got a hole in the roof there made by the Romans the Romans were very clever Whenever they conquered a nation, they realised that to bring unity to their government over the world, because they conquered the then known world, what they'd have to do is that they'd have to unite not just militarily and conquer by uh, their very clever army, but they'd have to unite the religions. And so they decided to create this pantheon and they said whenever they conquered a nation, they said, I want you to bring your God and place it in this Uh, pan many uh, theon gods this place of many gods and I want you to place in one of those little niches there a statue of your god and what we'll say is that you're allowed when they've conquered the land you're allowed to worship your god whichever god it was as long as once a year you took a little bit of incense and you burnt it and said Caesar is lord if you said that then you can then for the rest of the year worship whatever god you like Because there were two groups of people who would never do that. The Jews would never do that because they believed that you couldn't have a a statue of their God and they certainly wouldn't ever say that. And the Christians wouldn't say that because they realised that Jesus is Lord. And I don't want to pull any punches here. I want to tell you, if you came back to Jesus today, he's got to be number one. He's either Lord or nothing. And so... When they made that, they, they said, well, that's pretty clever. They united all the religions of the world. 
And there's a, quite a, a big push to do that now. Sikhism, in actual fact, tried to do that, under, but it's become another religion. But they're trying to unite all the religions. My daughter is just starting her teaching uh, uh, career this week, this coming week. She started a bit late because she started, she's doing it on maternity leave for, a, for a, 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 a person. And so she starts teaching. She's an RE teacher. And when she starts teaching RE in a secondary school, some of you know about this, she will have to give as much credence to all the religions of the world. And today, in Great Britain, we are no longer a Christian country. We have to give acknowledgement to all the religions of the world. We've become this pluralistic society. So all plural. Some say there are many gods. Now, you can click back on that previous slide for me, Pauline, if you wouldn't mind. Do all people pray to the same God? That's the question I want to ask. Some people think that they do. Some people say, it doesn't matter what you believe, as long as you believe, as long as you're sincere, then you just carry on being sincere. Well, that's not the, Bible. That's not the God of my Bible. The God of my Bible says Jesus is the way. Now, what are the answers to that question, do all people pray? There are four options. You can say that none of these religions are right. You can say that all of them are right. You can say that some have more truth than others. Well, if you listen to the words of Jesus, I have to tell you that he is, for number four, only one is true and all the rest are false. That has to be the case. Because the statements that Jesus made about himself makes you realise that either you're going to follow him You can't mix him with anyone else. You can't be part of the pantheon and worship all these other gods. Jesus said he is the way. The way. Jesus said about himself, there is no one, there is one God and there is only one mediator between God and men and that's the man Christ Jesus. That's the verse in the Bible. Jesus is still the only way. Are you with me, Paul? Keep, Keep up now, keep up. Okay, click the button there. there 1 Timothy 2.5 There is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Here's another verse in the Bible, Acts 4.12 There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Do you understand that what I'm saying is very, very exclusive? Christianity is the most exclusive and the most inclusive religion that you could ever have. It's the most exclusive because what we're saying is Jesus is the only mediator. Jesus, there is no other name apart from Jesus. But equally, he's also going to say that whoever believes in him, whoever comes to Jesus, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shouldn't perish but have everlasting life. So it's exclusive, he's the only way, but it's inclusive because he includes everybody. So, point number one, Jesus really still is the only way. Jesus didn't say, I will show you the way to heaven. Jesus didn't say, find your own way to heaven. Jesus didn't say, trust your heart. Jesus didn't say, look inside yourself for the way. Jesus didn't say, uh, the way is whatever you want it to be. What he did say is that I am the way. I am the way. So, there's... um, There's my first point. Jesus is the way. My second point is that Jesus is the truth. The truth. And I'm... Oh, there you go. I've just gone through that. Next one. Great. Excellent. 
So, Jesus gives direction for a lost world. Point number two, Jesus gives reality to a confused world because he is the truth. Um, in the notes that I gave out, I gave a simple little illustration at the front of that of uh, a missionary that was working in uh, the Middle East. You don't need to look at them now, so you look at them later. And uh, she was in the Middle East and she, uh, uh, she was driving a Jeep and she ran out of petrol. And because she was working with children, the only container that she had to go and get some petrol at the garage down the road was this children's potty. And so she went down to the garage, got the petrol in the potty and came back and was filling the, gar- the car with the potty when this big Cadillac pulls up and these sheiks or whatever they're called open the window down and they say, well, that is amazing. We want to say we, we, we are very impressed with your faith to think that you could make your car run on the contents of a potty and they, they drove off. They thought that was very good. And some folks think that... To become a Christian, you've got to throw your brains out of the window and believe, you know, 20 impossible things before breakfast. Who said that? That was uh, Alice in Wonderland, wasn't it? Now, I want to say it does take faith to become a Christian, but it does take reason as well. The Bible says, come, let's reason together. You don't throw your brains out of the window when you become a Christian. In fact, God wants to engage our thinking and our intellect. And so when he says he is the truth, he, he's speaking about this absolute truth. And of course, if we stayed on the subject of heaven, which is what the discussion was when Jesus was talking to his disciples and he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He said, the truth about life and the truth about heaven, all people go to heaven, that's not true, says Jesus. I've been in a minister for over 35 years. I've taken a lot of funerals. And I say at every funeral I take, not everybody goes to heaven. And that insults and upsets some people. God won't send anyone to hell. That's not true, the Bible says. Purgatory isn't true. If you're good, you get to heaven. That's not true concerning what Jesus says. Only 144,000 make it. Well, some of you won't understand why I've said that. Heaven and hell are figurative. All of those are not true. Jesus spoke about a life and a death and a heaven and a hell. And heaven and hell is not my subject this morning. I'm trying to stick to that verse, I am the way, the truth and the life. But let me say this. When Jesus speaks, you either have to believe what he says or you have to say, right, and I'm going to challenge you to, to accept what, either what Jesus says about this stuff or not. So what is truth? There is an absolute truth, I'm, I'm, I'm saying. There is something that you can absolutely put your life on it. Put your, you can say, I know that that is true and I believe it. And Christians sometimes sound a little bit bigoted. I could ask any number of Christians here who were bold enough to come and stand on the platform and say, I actually passionately am convinced that Jesus is my saviour, that he's, he's saved me from my sin, that he's given me a new life, that he's given me a future, that I know where I'm going when I die. And you say, well, how can you know? Well, we know from a couple of things. We know because the Bible tells us, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. A great philosopher, one of the greatest thinkers of the world, says, what's the greatest thought you've ever had? And after a little while, he came out with the answer. Here's the greatest thought I've ever had. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. But it's not just because the Bible. It's because of what God has already done in our lives. And some of you have tasted of the Lord and you need to remember what he's done in your life. And recognize that he is still the truth for your life today. 
And that cuts out the relativism. I can't even say that word again. That says truth is only relative. Let me say this, and I'm going I'm I'm to nail this one. Jesus was either a liar because he said some stuff about himself that, that is just, you know, he said, you can't get to heaven any other way apart from coming through me. Or he's a madman. He's a lunatic because he's saying things like, I'm the bread of life. I'm the water of life. He's either a total megalomaniac. He's, either, he's, a, he's a lunatic. Or he is who he said he was. And that is, he's the Lord of the universe. And if he's the Lord of the universe, he will make demands on your life. And many, many folks either stop becoming Christians or become Christians and then take one step back from it because they realise becoming a Christian means that you have to do what Jesus tells you to do. I want to tell you this. I passionately believe that if you do what Jesus tells you to do, you will have the greatest life that you could ever have. You will have the most exciting, the most fulfilled life. And I'm suggesting he isn't a liar, he isn't a lunatic. He's the Lord. And everyone on the side of truth listens to me, said Jesus. So we're nearly at the end of what we're, we're talking about this morning. Jesus gives direction to a lost world because he's the way. Jesus gives a reality in a confused world because he really is the truth. And though I've only had I've only half an hour to develop that, let me just say that we will be glad to engage with you and talk with you about the truth of God's word. And that's part of what happens in our week. We have small groups for discussion and you can bring your questions and what have you. But he really is the one who will give truth. And that truth, though it's absolute, though it sounds bigoted, will lead into the most exciting life. Jesus is the life, which is the last of the three points. He gives life in a dark world. In fact, here's a lovely verse, John 10.10. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full, abundantly, the old version says. I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Abundantly means you've got so much you're able to give to others. When I come around for dinner, or you come around my house for dinner, hopefully you get enough on your plate that there's a little bit extra you don't, you, you, you know. And God gives you so much life that you're able to give it to others because he fills you up. That's the kind of Christianity that we're talking about in this place. Secularism says that life can be lived without God. Of course it can. These folks are going to get the the food ready because there's some food after our service. Of course you can live your life without Jesus. Of course you can live your life without church. There are millions who do that. But I'm suggesting to you today that the most fulfilled life is a life the way Jesus is being given a chance where you've asked him to forgive your sin for a star, but then you've gone on there and you've said, Jesus, I want to include you in every part of my life. And he's not a party pooper, he's not going to make you miserable, he's not going to make your, your life less exciting. If you, would anyone agree with me? Having Jesus as number one is the best thing you could ever do. It's the best thing you could ever do because Jesus really is the life. And I have to say that as a Christian, I have to make sure that I don't live a secular life, as I've said before now, that I include Jesus just on a Sunday and then carry on through the rest of my week forgetting to ask his opinion. If you were with me in my series on David, which we concluded last week, you know that David inquired of the Lord on a regular basis. I know that some of the young folks, most of the young folks are having their own Bible studies at the moment. You young people, you think that, you think that the life is the, the, the highlight. I'm telling you, life is best led with Jesus as number one. So, we conclude. 
Christianity, is it boring? I don't think it is. Is it irrelevant? No, I think it's totally irrelevant. And is church relevant? I think church is relevant. And I'd love you to come back and no one's going to twist your arm. You come back because you're going to find something hopefully here or in a church that says, yes, that's going to help me through my week, whatever your week, whatever your week is. So can I just conclude by giving you a couple of challenges? I'm not going to ask you necessarily to respond publicly this morning, though I must admit, I got, I got saved listening to Billy Graham, who's a very, very old man now. And Billy Graham said, always used to call folks forward and, and say, listen, if, Jesus, if you can't stand up for Jesus today, you'll never stand up for him. And so he made us walk to the front, and many thousands did in the time when he was preaching. I'm not going to ask you to do that today, but I am going to ask you to consider certain things. Let me ask you the challenge. What's number one, Pauline? Have you received Jesus knowing he's the only way to heaven? John 1.12, to as many as received him, to them he gives power to become children of God. Fantastic. If you receive Jesus, you become a member of the family of God. And that's a very big family. Every nation has been represented uh, by, the, by the family of Jesus. Have you received Jesus as your personal friend and saviour? If you haven't, then it's as simple as you saying, God, I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to come into my life. I pray, Lord, that you'd change me from within. I can't do it without you, Jesus. Please. And I know you're going to deal with my past, as Kevin said. He's far more concerned with your future than your past. He wants to deal with your past, and that is dealt with by you saying sorry for it and asking Christ to come into your life. So have you received Jesus, knowing that he is the only way? Jesus said, you shall know the truth and it will set you free. Have you been set free? The truth of God's word can set you free today. And I'm glad we've prayed for many folks. Uh, some, somebody was prayed for in the, in the marketplace this last Saturday, outside Asda, and you may have seen that prayer line, and some of our folks are involved with that prayer line. They've been set free from sickness. And we'd love to pray with you at the end. If you want to receive prayer, for whatever reason, this front row will be available. These folks will, will move from here. You come here and we will pray for you, whatever your need is. And sickness is one thing that you can be set free from. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And the truth of God's word can set you free. And the third and final challenge. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Have you received the life of Jesus? And are you walking in that life? And part of that will be mixing and mingling with Christians who will, iron sharpens iron, who will help you on your journey. Who will, that's why we have small groups on a, on, on a midweek and we, uh, we would love to invite you to other things that go on in our church. Love to invite your children to our children's clubs, but love to invite you to the activities of our church. Why? Because we want bums on seats? No, no. It's because we passionately believe that the best way to live your life is to put Jesus in his rightful place. Does that make sense? Hopefully I'm appealing to your intellect. Obviously this is an emotional thing as well. We get stirred up. But it's our intellect we're looking at. We're saying, Jesus, we do really do need you. Musicians, would you join me? We're going to sing a final song. Before we sing that final song, I'm going to ask you to pray with me. And in that prayer, I'm going to ask you just to be still for a moment and meditate. And ask God, has he got his rightful place in your life and in my life? Let's bow our heads in prayer before we stand and sing our final song. And we hope you'll stay for some refreshments.
Tonight, by the way, we've got a continue on in this theme, and we've got some celebration, um, there's some cakes and food because it's our, our second anniversary. We hope you can come tonight or some other activity, but tonight will be a, a good time of fellowship. But that's tonight. What about this morning? Let's be still for a moment. Has anything you've heard, whether it be the children's chorus that we sung earlier on, or the word or testimony, that's, you know it's ringing in your heart, and you know that what's being said to you this morning is coming from God himself. He's saying he wants to be your friend. He wants to be your friend. You need some direction in a lost world. And Jesus said, I want to be your way, not just for everyone else in this room. I want to show you the way personally. You're confused about all this stuff, the reality of all this stuff. And God says, I want to give you understanding in this confused world. I want to give you reality. Maybe you're worried about the future world. It's dark and you don't understand. Maybe you've had a relative that's passed on or maybe you're sick yourself. And Jesus said, I want you to understand that my life will sustain you now and in the future. He's still the way, the truth and the life. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you, Jesus, that you want me to be fulfilled totally in everything that I do and say. Lord, there are individuals in this room here on this Come Back to Church Sunday. And I pray that they will in some way make one step towards you today because if we take one step towards you, you'll come running to, to welcome us like the prodigal stepped back into the Father's home and the Father was delighted that he returned. We pray, Lord, that that's what will happen today. People will return to you right across our nation, right across our town of Rugby, right in this church here. Help us to return to you. We know, Lord, that you are ready to receive us. Amen. As the, we sing this final song, we'll stand. I'm going to ask the ministry team to become available down the front here, please. And then when we've, John has said our final prayer, we hope you'll all come that way for refreshments.